if we continuously build a habit of learning, we can actually reverse, if not delay memory loss significantly. We truly can reverse brain aging. Our brain aging is our own creation by not investing in learning and operating out of an expert mindset of just doing, right? So whether it's learning a language, whether it's learning how to dance, whether it is learning a new skill, whatever it is, we can actually really take care of our mental well-being. Hey there, friends. Welcome to Happiness Squad. This is the podcast dedicated to helping you unlock your full potential by mastering the art and science of happiness. We bring on the best leading experts on these topics to help you unlock your true potential and live with more joy, health, love, and meaning in your life. Your host is no other than the star combo of Ashish Katari and Anil Ramjiani, who are both on a mission to provide you with an unfair advantage to be the masters of your experience and leaders in your industry. Get ready to be moved, challenged, and enlightened on this podcast. It may change your life. Thanks for being here and joining the squad. Hey, Happiness Squad. I'm excited to be with all of you today and honored to be with Ashish as we explore his book, Hardwired for Happiness, chapter by chapter. If you didn't know, I actually connected with Ashish during the COVID lockdowns. And our passion for helping individuals unlock their own potential and find true meaning in their happiness, health, love, and life just became immediately clear. I'm on this journey with you and Ashish to explore how each of the nine practices that form the sunflower that Ashish has laid out just so simply and beautifully. What I find incredibly unique is how Ashish has taken years of experience, study, and research and captured them in micro habits that can change our lives for the better in just a few minutes a day leading all of us to a more joyful, happier, and healthy life. Today, we continue with a third three-part series on practice seven, investing in your well-being. We wanted to address the body, the mind, and the spirit. In the previous episode, we covered body and movement and the importance. In this episode, we're going to focus on the mind and the power of quality and quantity of sleep. Now, for me, I'm on a bit of a roller coaster in developing consistent habits here. As we share our own personal stories, Ashish incorporates research that even served, pardon the pun, an awakening even for me. Stay through till the end as Ashish provides several tips that you can easily integrate into your life from today. Explore natural alternatives to caffeine, the effects of blue light, and practices that you can take that nourish you into a refreshed and recharged day of focus and activity. Are you ready to learn how to do less and be more? Join us then as we talk through how we can rewire for happiness together. Enjoy. Hey, Ashish. Great to be back with you. How you doing? I'm doing really well, Anil. I'm really excited to kind of continue on our series here of uh, mind, body, spirit around well-being. Absolutely. I mean... You know, well-being and investing in it is one of my passions, and it's a practice that I truly love. We had recorded an, op- an episode around well-being. Uh, this is part two. And in the last one, we talked about the body, the spirit, and the mind, and how the three coming together is true harmony. And, you know, Ashish, I want to say to our listeners, 
I highly encourage you to listen to it. You shared so many amazing facts around well-being, around you know how we are living longer, but living longer, but maybe not in the healthiest way. And the only way we can live a better, longer life is by improving the quality. And by really investing in our well-being through that mind, body, and soul, that is the unlock. And you shared some amazing, simple tips around movement. And I'll tell you, before we recorded this, I actually spoke to my wife about it. And I said, we have to listen to this together because there were some things you shared, Ashish, that blew my mind. And I'm telling our listeners, even though I'm a triathlete, what he shared in that episode has changed how I'm now working not only at home, but just at my desk alone. So thank you for that, Ashish. I'm excited to talk about mine, but uh, this is this is just something where we, we can go into so many different conversations on well-being. I want to share a story with you, Ashish, before we dive into mind. And, uh, you know, I travel quite a bit. I know you did as well when you were in your consulting days. Last week, I had only four hours of sleep. Anika and I, we got to Schiphol Airport, just wasn't in the greatest mood. I was feeling tired, sleepy. You know, I had to go through the security line and I'm, I'm priority and Nika's not and the lady wouldn't let us both go. And I was just like, come on. Can I speak? To, I literally said, that, like, I need to speak to a manager. And she's like, sir, I'm sorry, you're going to have to go somewhere else. So I go upstairs and Ashish, I'm telling you, there's no queue. I did not need the priority line, but I'm still acting, feeling frustrated. I got through security and, you know, I'm like, I'm at this airport and our flight's in an hour and... You know, I'm sure our listeners can relate to this. You don't have enough sleep. You're at an airport. We're talking about well-being. I'm depleted. I'm stressed. I'm projecting my frustration to other people. I can't go for a run. I can't drop and do 20 push-ups. That'd be awkward. Ashish, if you were in my shoes or if you were next to me, what would you tell me to do? Yeah, I think, look, it's a great question, right? And so we can talk about, look, I always think about, you know, there is a base level of energy and there are things that we need to do to continuously invest in creating a solid foundation, right? On the top of which we can live life. But we don't live in a monastery. We don't live in a cave. We don't live where we have all the time in the world and life goes perfect. So I think what you described was one of those moments where, you know, that moment, that day wasn't perfect, right? And you were struggling. You know, some of us have stress, some of us have, you know, and this notion of just feeling off. First of all, you know, friends, recognize, recognize those moments and be grateful for them because they can be good reminders of what it feels like when we are feeling off and why, when, why we need to take care of ourselves to feel on more often, right? But you highlighted a bunch of things uh, on that particular day, Anil, that were going on <laughs> you with enough, you. Enough to dissect and, and delve right? into. So I hadn't slept enough. <laughs> I hadn't eaten enough, right? Yep. So you were also hungry. Uh, you were in movement. So you were kind of off from your regular uh, you know, routine. You were traveling. I mean, airports can be just pretty stressful anyway, you know, between all the flight delays and kind of people. And, you know, it just surprises me, you know, flight is um is such an amazing invention and it is so powerful i mean every time i fly in ill uh you know i'm just i am in wonder of the fact that we're flying in a, in a in a cylindrical tube and like you know i just flew earlier this week right i mean we were in philadelphia it's the other end of the of of the us and you know we got to like boulder in four and a half 
hours. It like I didn't invent the plane. Somebody was flying it. I don't know how to fly the plane. And you know, I'm like, oh my god, it's so amazing. And yet, you know, we have people all around us that are just stressed and like, oh my god, they're like just complaining and. But anyway, it's filled with stressful, complaining people. We can have a whole conversation around that. <laughs> yes, we can. But uh, but listen, you know, three things, three suggestions, my dear friend. I just just listened to tune into you, and uh, I think we'll cover some of them in more detail. Frankly, um, you know, in this episode as we delve into the mind. But you know, one on those days for you and for our listeners, my dear friends, when you don't get enough sleep, one technique, Sundar Pichai. The CEO of Google swears by it. I have so many other folks who've talked about this. It was actually something created by Thomas Huberman, a neuroscientist, and it is a technique called NSDR, non-sleep deep rest. And it's a particular way of breathing through which in within 10 to 15 minutes, and you can do it anywhere. You can, of course, do it lying down, but you can even just do it sitting we can actually restore ourselves and get some of the benefits that we get from long-term sleep in as short as 15 to 20 minutes, okay? So it's a really, really powerful technique. It leverages breath and body scan as a way to kind of really relax our mind and our body. So very powerful. It can actually act as, you know, the reason our brain, you know, we are kind of feeling anxious irritation is because our brain is struggling, right? It's struggling to recover. It hasn't got enough, especially if you broke, uh, if you got up in a, a REM cycle, right? And you all of a sudden got woke up, you didn't complete through, through your full cycle. It can put us in that. And so just consciously, you know, doing an NSDR. And by the way, there's tons of uh, videos on YouTube and other scripts that you can use to do that. Um, can be a very simple thing that you could do, right? When it comes to your mind. Okay, something that you can do your mind to kind of recover your mental energy. You know, on the physical side, when we are feeling this way, I think just noticing and moving, you know, we covered movement in the last last one, right? And so this notion of even taking our arms and actually kind of just, you know, lifting up and down, almost flapping your wings, if you will, like a bird, right? Moving our body, turning and twisting, touching our toes, just that movement. Notice what it does to you. In airports, oftentimes we're feeling grumpy, we're tired, and then we sit down. And when we sit down, we hunch over, right? Somatics, as you're going through your own course in new field, how important somatics is. So if we just open up, if we actually move, you know, it's that kinetic, you can create energy through your body. In that moment when you feel you don't have energy, you can actually create and you'll notice, oh my God, I got a lift, right? And then I will tell you, my dear friend, the third one, and this is my favorite, has changed my life. Compassion, heart, spirit. When we are feeling down, when we are feeling stressed, all the focus, our brain's focus goes to me. Me, poor me, unhappy me, stressed me. I need this. I need to recover. If we just, for a moment, tune outwards, you know, and just scan, you know, the beauty in an airport is there are so many people who are going through. There's so many people who are working in restaurants. There might be people who are cleaning the airport. They're air hostesses or they're like flight, you know, or like flight attendants as well as those ticket counter people who are, you know, they're every, this is their day-to-day -day job, right? 
They're working through it. We are transiting through a place where they work. And everybody has their story. Many of the people who work don't lead as, you know, their lives in general are not as privileged as ours are, especially those who are working in the restaurants and the shops. They have their own battle. They have their own story. You know, just tuning in and seeing the beauty of the human beings around us, connecting with them, making somebody smile, giving them the attention, noticing them. You know, Anil, for the whole day, 100,000 people going around them and you witnessed the beauty of that human being and you were able to through that kindness recognition create a smile in them it'll bounce back to you right it'll bounce back to you um and so yeah and also right like recognizing that you're not alone it also reduces that loneliness why me pity me so three simple ways my dear friend even though if you're in an airport one is just move the second one is do a quick 10 15 minute and, you know, uh, NSDR. Um, and three is just tune into the others, tune into the magic that is kind of surrounding you, right? By opening your heart, by opening your spirit. I love that. And see how it shifts. Do you know, I think, let me work backwards on that because it's almost like a seesaw, right? If you're on one end, I'm on the other and I give you thanks and I put the weight and focus on you and then it comes back to me. I put it on you. It comes back to, and I think it's, it's interesting because I think just being able to say to someone, Hey, thank you for what you do. Cause let's be honest, we get frustrated at an airport. The person we take it out on is that quote unquote innocent person at the gate that's dealing with all the passengers. If there's a delay or if there's something going wrong, just being able to smile at that person and, and seeing that genuine connection can be brief, but sacred. The moment you talked about movement, Ashish, I was thinking about our last episode where people at their desk, we do hunch over. So whether you're at the airport or whether you're sitting at your desk, movement is critical. I encourage everyone to, to do that because I think it's so amazing how, again, that simple movement can make a difference. And you know, I notice whenever I crack my chest and I just open up my body, I actually feel tension release and I actually feel better for it. Even just moving my shoulders up and down. It's just these simple little things that you can do, right? To, like you said, okay, recharging, you don't have to drop on the ground and do 20 pushups to get that pump. You know what I mean? Like that's, this is a much more, uh, let's say, uh, effective and etiquette way of, of recharging yourself uh, in a, from a seated position. I like it. Yeah. And you know, friends, as you go through your day, just a simple thing, right? You don't even, by the way, have to do it when you're stressed or tired at the lead. You know, we walk through life, we interact, run and run around, we cover, you know, we go through so many people, so many people we touch, but we don't think, think about just your coffee shop. You know, we're going through somewhere, there's somebody working. Oftentimes we're on the phone these days. I see it all the time. Either our head is buried in the phone or we are talking on the phone and we'll just go and say, um, what do you want? One latte, please. And we're, our heads are still tied to our phone or I'm still on the phone. And I'll be like, hold on one second mute one latte please thank you and then I, I go back on my conversation and we take card and we go okay right that person there is sitting there if they weren't there they just gave you something that allows you to be refreshed allows you to take care of yourself right and it doesn't even matter right whether you thank them or not or if you thank them but didn't even look at them you know we go through these motions and all it takes you know, frankly, is, you know, one, 
so for me at least, you know, I'm conscious when most of the time, right? If I'm if I'm going through some place and I'm going to interact with somebody, uh, just notice them and just say hello. How are you? How's your day going? Right? How's your day going? Or how are how you? you? Right? And yeah. and and then they're like, fine. I said, well, and then I'll say, can I please? Right? Can I please get this? Thank you. Have an amazing day. Right? And just giving them that brief attention. Just that brings a spark in so many and that like reverberates back to you. You know what I mean? And it's just so simple. And, you know, I don't know, right? We have in certain ways today we can do things 90% faster, you know, in many cases even more than we could before. And yet somehow we've gotten so busy, we've gotten so self-involved and we have kind of lost the humanity, you know, we've lost the ability to kind of just, and we don't have to do anything, you know, we can give the gift of a smile. We can give the gift of just seeing the other person. That is the biggest gift. And yet it is just not done. You know, it's just not done. So I invite you, dear friends, to just next time, notice the human being you're interacting with and just see them, just see them and let them see you. I love that because, you know, I mean, let's now kind of shift to, to mind right now. We're all at the airport. We're walking on the street. And again, Ashish, you know, you're on your phone. You're looking down. You look around you. You see literally throngs of people just looking down at their phone. Now, I'm, I'm going to say, I'm going to take a guess here. That's not the healthiest activity for your mind, especially <laughs> when you're out and about crossing the road, looking down. We all know what could potentially happen there. Ashish, let's, when we shift to mind, a couple of things come to mind, right? sleep, like you just said, um, how we actually are able to do more things, but that dopamine effect that kicks in uh, that we're now addicted to uh, when it comes to focusing. You know, I'd love, Ashish, for you to start sharing with our listeners some of your thoughts and ideas around these areas because looking after our mind and keeping it healthy as we age, as we live longer and want a more quality life, looking after our mind is absolutely critical. Where would you like to start? Yeah. So look, I mean, I looked into this space quite deeply and I was actually quite privileged also that I actually could spend almost two years of my life before I left uh, McKinsey on this topic of well-being and mental well-being, right? Um, Mental well-being, physical well-being. We spent a lot of time on it, but in particular, mental well-being. As I mentioned on our last episode, you know, McKinsey launched the McKinsey Health Institute. It's a think tank, which is predominantly working on topics around well-being and how we can drive systemic change. I was part of the team that launched the first corporate mental well-being survey that companies can use when I was at McKinsey to really benchmark holistically around how companies are doing on this topic of well-being. You know, what is the current state of well-being? What are the interventions? Are people removing the stigma around it? So really amazing work, right, for all those corporate leaders. It's some of the best work I've seen out there. So I strongly encourage you to go to the website of McKinsey Health Institute and check those out. Some of my colleagues, um, ex-colleagues now, but Jackie Brassi, Barbara, are really, really doing some critical and amazing work there. For me, you know, when I looked at this topic, there are three things. Again, as you know, we can study this in, you know, in all the beautiful research, but what are some simple things that people can do? And I'll list them in this order. 
The first and foremost, which is a core foundation that we are all guilty of taking away from, is sleep. Let's focus and go deep into that in this episode. Because I think it is really one of those most profound things, just like, you know, I shared in the last episode around movement and how sitting is the new smoking and the effects of a, a sedentary lifestyle, how bad it is. You know, sleeping is one of those myths that I would love to bust on this episode and really make people aware of how important this is. The other two are actually focus and building a habit of continuous learning. Okay. So when it comes to focus, you hit it on the head. We have become dopamine addicts. Did you know, Anil, according to a recent survey that was done, on average, Americans check their phone 344 times in a day. If you sleep for eight hours, that's once every four minutes, right? That's once every four minutes. We have traded away in the last 20 years our ability to focus to the likes of Facebook, Instagram, and all the other LinkedIn. You know, just look around. We never sit at actually, you know, if you're in a queue, you've got your phone on. If you're riding in an elevator, we glue it to our screens. It almost reminds me of this device uh, that, uh, that, you know, was in this Batman movie. It was the horrible version of the Batman movies that came out in the, I think it was the 90s or the 2000. Jim Carrey played the Riddler and he had created this device on set-top boxes that used to take all of our freaking mental energy out. You Brainwaves know? into it, yep. Brainwaves into it. That's what these phones have become for us. And we just can't hold ourselves back. And when we do that, right, we experience 40% reduction in productivity. We drop 10 IQ points. We have 50% more likelihood of making mistakes. So in another episode, let's talk about how we actually fundamentally regain control back from the social media networks, from our smartphones. So that's a really important mental, you know, that's a really important mental practice. The other one that I was covering was this whole notion of adaptability and learning. You know, we go through amazing periods of learning, Anil, growing up till we are 21, 22, right? We graduate from college. We might indulge back into it when we go for our postgraduate program. But once we graduate, we stop learning. We start operating out of an expert mindset. And you know what? As we do that, our brains start to atrophy. Our learning abilities start to atrophy. Our memory starts to suffer. And just like that story we have, we hold that story too. Oh yeah, memory loss is just part of getting older. It's not true. It doesn't have to be. If we continuously build a habit of learning, we can actually reverse if not delay memory loss significantly. We truly can reverse brain aging. Our brain aging is our own creation by not investing in learning and operating out of an expert mindset of just doing, right? So whether it's learning a language, whether it's learning how to dance, whether it is learning a new skill, whatever it is, we can actually really take care of our mental well-being. I think in the following episodes, we should delve into these more, but let's talk about sleep because sleep is one of the most foundational things that we can do. And as you know, I'm a big fan, Anil, of how can we achieve more by being more rather than doing more? And this is just that. How can we truly be more? 
how can we invest in our sleep um, to, to truly be more effective? So Ashish, when we talk about investing in well-being, I know you've mentioned that sleep is incredibly important. Now, you've had an experience as a consultant traveling across the US and also the world. Maybe you can share with our listeners some of your experience with how you found your body handling your sleeping habits from your past. Yeah, it's a great question, Anil, because, you know, it alludes to, it'll, it'll talk my own experience and uh, with sleep is so much like so many others out there where we kind of convince ourselves that we don't need a lot of sleep or don't actually know how much is the right amount of sleep, right? So all the research scientists, um, Matthew Walker being one of the deepest experts who studied um, the science of sleep, he's written a book on it. It's actually a masterclass by him consistently agree that for most of us, we need seven to nine hours of sleep. Okay. Now, the reality is 40% of us in the US get less than seven hours, right? So we need seven to nine and we get less than seven. How many hours do you sleep every night? I would say I average five and a half, six hours in bed by about 11, 1130, maybe at 12. And I'll, my body just wakes me up at six, 536. Are you enjoying the show so far? Let me ask you a few questions before going back. Have you ever wondered why so many of us struggle with stress, anxiety, and burnout and feel stuck in life? Heck, maybe you're going through this right now. Well, the reason for this lies in the evolutionary biology of our brains, which are hardwired for fear. It's part of the reason why our team named this podcast Happiness Squad. It serves as a reminder that happiness is what really matters and that we are in this together. And that is why we are so excited to share with you a resource to help you on your journey. One of our hosts, Ashish Katari, launched a book, Hardwired for Happiness, and it is a number one Amazon bestseller. When you get access to this book, you will discover nine secular practices that can change your life and are backed by scientific evidence from psychology and neuroscience. Learn how you can integrate hardwired for happiness practices in every part of your life to unlock your best self, regardless of how busy you are. Shift from knowing to doing, to being, with a range of journaling, meditation, and group coaching exercises, and so much more. Go to www.happinesssquad.com forward slash book to get access right now. We also have bonuses on the page that you don't want to miss. Once again, www.happinesssquad.com forward slash book. And now, back to the show. Right. So here's a st statistic for you around the effect of sleep. If we go consistently about 10 to 14 days with six hours or less of sleep, we are in terms of our ability to think at the same level if we actually went a whole day, a whole day, 24 hours without sleeping. We just don't realize it because slowly, 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 our brain reserves deplete, right? And it's a little bit like the analogy of the, you know, the, you know, it's, it's a myth, but like this analogy of this boiling frog, right? If you put a frog in water and you start heating it, it won't even know until it's cooked. It's actually not true, but it's a little bit like that. You know, we get so desensitized. And again, because of our brain's ability around this hedonic adaptation in terms of just getting used to what we've got, it slowly starts, you know, our ability to think clearly, the time it takes to make decisions starts to go down, down, down. In fact, we are sometimes at 25 to 30% less 
you know, thinking clearly and taking longer to make decisions. Now think about, you know, professions, Anil, like yours and mine in consulting, yours in marketing, where it's all about creativity, right? How bad of an effect that it can have, right? Like it's, it's actually terrible. And I lived into that same myth, you know, for about 20 years of my working life, right? Um, there was periods where I was sleeping four to six hours a night. In fact, if I go back even to my college years, it's terrible now that I thought about it. I used to be actually quite proud about this fact that I went, uh, you know, 16 days sleeping one to two hours a night. They're like, oh, look at me. I slept only 30 hours in two weeks and you guys went, you know, sleep that much in a week, right? Look at how much more I got done. Uh, I did get a lot done. I'm not sure the quality was that good, right? Or maybe I could have done things a lot, uh, lot, lot, a lot easier, a lot faster. But there was a period of time, Ashish, when you were in college where I think you went, correct me if I'm wrong, nearly 16 days straight with only a few hours of sleep. Like you were just on it. Yeah. No, that's what I, that's what I just mentioned, right? Like it was crazy. Like, and, and, you know, back then I could do it and my, and look, it was that plus lots of caffeine, right? To just get you going. And I hear about that all the time here. Like I was at, you know, like four months ago, I was at the Best Buy and college. It was like uh, exam time. And this kid who was working behind on Geek Squad was like, yeah, you know, I said, how are you doing? He's like, I'm tired. I said, uh, what's going on? He's like, oh, I haven't slept in three days. Literally, he said, I haven't slept in three days because I've got exams. I'll sleep in a couple of more days once my exams are done. And, and you know, it's, uh, it's crazy because we are operating at 30, 50% sometimes. If you haven't slept at all, you're at such lower level of performance. You're just like muscling through. And there just is a better way to go about it. There is a better way to be at our best mentally, Anil, if we just harness the foundation of sleep and put some things in effect. So Ashish, if I think about, I'm going to give an example, parents, right? They have their first newborn or their second born, and I'm imagining that they struggle with their sleep at night. How can we find a way to help them? Like what are things that they can do knowing that they're, it's not in their control? They're up when the baby's up, they're down when the baby's up. What would maybe be some thoughts that you could share with that, that segment of our listeners? Yeah. So look, great, great, great uh, question. You know, I'll refer to the original thing that I just talked about at the beginning of the episode. NSDR is a really powerful way, right? Because you can't control what time the baby sleeps. So this whole notion of go sleep seven, eight hours uninterrupted is not a luxury that's available to parents, right? Especially of newborns. I mean, you're, you're kind of up and down with the, with the baby, right? So NSDR can be a really, really effective way, um, you know, to kind of relax our brain because sleep at the core of it does two functions, right? One is an L, it, it rejuvenates our physical energies. But second is it's a way for the brain, you know, for our brains to recover. In fact, a lot of the neurotoxins that our brain produces actually get drained. And by the way, these neurotoxins, when they don't drain the right way, is the reason with those who don't sleep enough have higher risk of Alzheimer's, right? It's because of that. So sleep is a really powerful way for the brain to rejuvenate, re-cleanse itself, right? That's a really, really important function that it does. You know, the other thing is, it's, and it's true for all of us, it's true for parents, it's true for, uh, it's true for others, which is really understanding the role caffeine plays in our sleep cycles. You know, uh, before I knew this, I was just like so many other uh, other people, 
you know, at two or three, I needed to get my caffeine jolt. I don't know if you, if you have oh, that habit too. I love my caffeine jolt. Yep. Right. Two to three. Jolt of joy, jolt out. of caffeine. Right. Yeah, exactly. Right. So two to three is a very standard time. A lot of people drink their coffee because, you know, you're kind of coming off the afternoon, uh, coma out of post, the food and like you just need something we like to treat ourselves so like why not just get a cup, cup of coffee did you know that caffeine has a half-life of five to seven hours no but it, it explains a lot because when i have a coffee later in the afternoon let's say around three or four during like, let's say just a, a one-to-one meeting i notice that evening that i may be asleep but i'm not feeling sound right yeah so that's the thing right so i didn't need i didn't realize that once I realized it all started to make sense. So if you have caffeine at three, which I used to do all the time, what that means is when I'm trying to go to bed at 11 or 10, I still have half of that caffeine surging through my body. No surprise, we don't, um, we find it hard to fall asleep. Now, <laughs> back in my consulting days, uh, usually we had late night dinners, team dinners or client dinners where, you know, copious amounts of alcohol was, you know, could be consumed. And so, of course, right, you go like, yeah, no, but I don't have a problem falling asleep. I always fall asleep. No, that's not sleep. Now you've got two things going against you in the quality of the sleep that you're getting, right? The first is you've got caffeine surging through your body. So implicitly, your brain is on high alert. Now, on top of that, you've got alcohol's effect, which is more of a numbing effect. So what alcohol does it when you are, if you have alcohol and you sleep, you can fall asleep, but you don't get into deep sleep. So what happens is it's the deep sleep that truly regenerates, renews our brain, right? And so that's, that is the core issue, which is two of these things acting together can be actually really, really bad. Going back to our recommendation for parents and for others, the simplest things we can do knowing that caffeine has this long effect is to actually not have coffee after 12. Give your body enough time for it to actually work through it. And yes, will the first couple of weeks be hard? Of course, it'll be hard. You know, we are weaning ourselves off a habit. But what we will notice, and I noticed this personally, and once I started doing it, is not only do we sleep better and wake up more refreshed? I used to wake up groggy all the time. But because we wake up refreshed, we don't need that urgency of first thing in the morning, I need to get my coffee. Otherwise, I, I'm like, I can't even get out of bed. You know, that notion is, is a clear indicator. So to all our listeners, if you are waking up tired, groggy, we need to actually look at all the conditions around the way we are sleeping. Now, one of the things might be physiological, right? Which is you might have sleep apnea and hence you need to actually get doctor's advice and get that checked. But if you're not waking up continuously in the day, in the night, and yet you're actually feeling groggy, look into your caffeine consumption. Look at the last time you have caffeine and then also look into alcohol. Again, as I mentioned, if we have alcohol in the night, yes, we have, if we find it easier to go to sleep, but no, our sleep is not of that high of a quality. You know, so Ashish, I, um, I have a whoop band that gives me metrics every morning um, based on my sleep the night prior. I've used it consistently for nearly two years now. My sister has the Aura Ring. And I think these are great devices if folks are keen to get them and apply what they learn and how it informs them on their sleep patterns. Like you mentioned, 
you know, I notice a night like last night, I went to a friend's birthday. I had a few glasses of wine. I had a heavy dinner. You know, great. Got home. I still went to bed at eleven or eleven thirty. I did not have great quality of sleep. In fact, when I woke up this morning, I noticed that my heart rate variability was high. My resting heart rate was high, and my REM sleep was low. And overall quality of sleep was low. So I may have had, and I did wake up at seven o'clock. So I did have, you know, nearly eight hours of sleep. But back to your point, the quality wasn't there. I almost felt like I was in a light sleep for that duration of time. And I know that's not good for me because I wanted to go for a run today. I wanted to be focused and ready to speak to you. I wanted to be ready to do, you know, on a Sunday, let alone a weekday. And now you imagine if you're going into work, what you're going to end up doing is you're going to have that morning coffee. You're going to have that midday coffee and probably a late afternoon coffee. And this cycle is going to perpetuate rather than breaking the flow. And I do want to kill two birds with one stone. On the previous chat we had on movement, maybe a, a, a tip for the listeners is instead of going for that 12 o'clock, 3 o'clock coffee with the peer, take that meeting outside, go for a walk, have a chat. So you're getting your movement. That's one less bit of caffeine you're having. You're having that time with a colleague to discuss. Uh, I think it's, it's a way to break that cycle and almost see, does the night of sleep you have following that improve or not? And I'd be keen to hear from the audience after listening to this, if they do it for a few days and, and write back to us, whether it be on LinkedIn or, or email us and go, you know what? That actually did improve my sleep quality just by doing these two, three things at a very basic level and breaking that cycle that Ashish, you and I both know we've done, we continue to do, but are looking to, to improve upon. Yeah, I love that tip. You know, look, I think today, in a lot of ways, technology interrupts our sleep, reduces our ability. But this is an advantage, you know, you gave, whether it's the Apple Watch, it's, uh, it's the Whoop band, it's the Aura Ring. You know, we can actually become our own sleep scientists, so to speak, right? We can actually look at how well are we sleeping and really play around with all the different variables that are actually going in to make sure that we are able to truly increase both the quantity, which is seven to nine hours, but also the quality of our sleep. Really, really important. So we covered some of them. I'm going to highlight a couple more things for you all to just consider, things to play with. Now, of course, you can go to a six-hour listen to Matthew Walker. And for those who are really interested, I really recommend doing that. But here's some additional tips. If you only have 30, 45 minutes and you're tuning into our conversation, um, what are some things you could consider integrating into your routine? The first one we already covered was try and limit your caffeine intake after 12, if not eliminate it completely. The second one was around really think about alcohol use uh, in the evening. Even if you think you're actually getting good sleep and it helps you sleep, it's not deep sleep, the kind that you would want. The third one is light dinners. Anil, you mentioned when you eat heavy, we don't sleep as well, right? For most adults, actually, if you look at the yogic sciences, always recommended much, much lighter dinner. You know, even in Western wisdom, there is this notion of eat like a prince, right? Or really, eat like a king in the morning, eat like yes. a prince uh, in for the lunch. afternoon for lunch and eat like a pauper yes. for dinner. There is lots of wisdom when our stomachs are filled, we don't get that quality of sleep. So really thinking about our food intake can be a big driver around the quality of sleep. The fourth thing that can really help is actually around blue light. 
that our screens emanate. Now, for many of us, we might not have the luxury of shutting off at eight and not looking at our computer. Let's be practical. If you can, you should do it. But if you can't, at least invest in some colored glasses that eliminate blue light. If you're going to have to work right after eight to nine, one to two hours before you go to bed. They're like lenses with orange hues, etc., that really eliminate blue light has been studied. You have, a, you know, it actually creates wakefulness. Um, and that's because of the circadian rhythms, you know, the sun, you know, our bodies are designed to rise with the sun and set with the sun. We all have our unique circadian rhythm. I have was the longest time and um, was convinced I didn't have one. I could wake up anytime I want. I could sleep anytime I want. Right. And the data suggested it. I mean, I could fly, you know, I used to be in, in Midwest and I could fly actually to uh, West Coast and I had no issue quote unquote, falling asleep and waking up. Well, I fell asleep because I had drinks and I woke up because I had coffee. So, I mean, that's not, I'm talking about unaided. COVID changed all that because I, all of a sudden I realized I actually did have a sleep rhythm. I did have wake up and end times. It's just that I was spending three, four days on the road, East Coast, West Coast, Midwest. My body had no idea what the time zone was. <laughs> They're like, I have no idea how you sleep. So, you know, you just, our body gets used to whatever we subject it to. But find your circadian rhythm. Eliminate blue light. Find your circadian rhythm. Are you a morning person or a late night person? And just slowly using data, start to kind of optimize your sleep routine to sleep at a time that is optimal for you, your brain, your body, uh, and just create a nice relaxing routine, right? So those four or five things that we just covered, Anil, I think can really help us actually both work on the quality of sleep that we're getting, but also on the quantity of sleep. And if we do that, my dear friends, you are laying a foundation that will allow you to be more effective in the 8, 12, 16 wakeful hours and get more done in that time because you're thinking sharper, you're thinking clearly, your IQ is higher versus sleeping six hours and putting those two extra hours at work because guess what? At that time, you're probably only at 30, 50% of your true mental cognitive ability. So, you know, I, I think this is incredibly powerful, folks, because Ashish, what you've captured is are just things that we can do naturally in our day to day. And I know, um, hey, there might be folks out there that suffer from, as you mentioned, Ashish, like a medical condition that requires, let's say, sleeping pills or, or expert advice to help them sleep better. You know, I know folks who take melatonin at night. And I know it's one thing that you, you mentioned in the book, how what you just mentioned, if you can manage your circadian rhythm, that's almost key in terms of how we regulate our melatonin production. And you know, you also mentioned about how you can just create a nice relaxing routine to unwind before you're going to bed. So you put on the, the glasses and you can, you can read if you'd like. You can turn off the devices. You can journal, take a warm shower. And for those that love, you know, something warm before they go to sleep, you know, maybe replace that cup of coffee with a nice, you know, organic chamomile tea or something that can relax and soothe you. So the practices that you're mentioning, Ashish, are really powerful because you're almost nourishing yourself. And why wouldn't you want to, if you could, spoil yourself a little bit before you go to sleep and just see how that can improve the quality um, that you have over the course of a busy work week or a relaxing weekend? Uh, I think these are just amazing ideas, Ashish, that you've shared. Um, 
Go ahead. Okay, Anel, by the way, you mentioned melatonin, right? Which is, by the way, one of the most, what I would call abused sleep supplement. Because most people think it's actually, okay, I'm not taking sleeping pills, I'm taking melatonin. Um, and I, I did this, right? So I am saying this from personal experience. When I researched melatonin, which was another thing, our body naturally produces melatonin, right? It's the rise of melatonin in the body that actually gets our brain, you know, we go to sleep. Now, when we take supplemental melatonin, we are fundamentally reducing our brain's natural ability to produce it because we've got more of it in the system, right? So I think it's a little bit of a dependence that we're starting to create. Also, the amount is important. For most individuals, one to two, one to two milligrams of melatonin is enough. And if you look at many melatonin supplements out there, it is three, five, seven, ten times higher. Forget about people who pop. I know some people who will take two pills at a time. Oh, I haven't slept enough. Let me take two or three. So we end up overdosing ourselves on something. Too much of anything is not good. And this is one, again, dear friends, really look into this. And if you do take melatonin, look at how much it is that you're taking and have a conversation with your doctor. You might think because it's over the counter, it's not harmful. It actually can be pretty harmful. So rather than self-diagnose, I would focus more on these simple lifestyle changes rather than, you know, uh, supplements as a way to actually try to get us into a, into, a, into a good quality and quantity of sleep. Sleep is everybody does. No other organism in the world needs help sleeping. But somehow, because of all the activity we get into as humans, you know, sleep disorders are on the rise. And, and seem to be affecting all of us. You know, and, and Ashish, I think this goes back to enemies of learning. I think we typically want to do, well, I've always done that. You know, I've always had my coffee. I've always had my, my uh, melatonin. I've always had my few beers and my glass of wine. It, I've always used it. It's always helped. And, you know, it, it's, I think what you're offering is ideas on how if you're open to doing it differently, doing it more organically, doing it naturally, you can actually see how it can change your life. And you know, again, I encourage folks who are really interested in learning more about this, for those that are in our Happiness Squad community, you know, Ashish has put together these micro practices on well-being, both not only on the importance of sleep, but also on how movement can actually complement that well-being as well. And again, this is all about safeguarding and protecting your mind. I mean, Ashish, I'm still thinking about what you mentioned earlier, how the body needs sleep to remove those toxins to reduce the chance of Alzheimer's. And I think that, you know, folks, this is something that we should all be thinking about. And I really do uh, invite everyone to, to try, you know, one or two of these practices. You don't have to do them all at once. Um, we've been doing them here and there. And you'll, you'll, you can hear from Ashish, like even myself, we don't actually do it uh, daily. There are times we fall back into our old patterns, but that's okay. The goal is how do you continue to move forward, bouncing forward with ideas, with tips that can really and truly change your life. Ashish, before we shift gears, I just want to say and close up, is there anything you would like to, to share with our listeners regarding the mind, sleep? I know we've talked about focus. Uh, this has just been incredibly eye-opening for me as well, pun unintended. <laughs> Look, now I'm excited to continue on this journey together. You know, I think in the coming episodes, let's circle through focus, adaptability, learning, ways in which we can do that. With sleep, my friends, as I mentioned again, we are big fans here of Happiness Squad on how do we achieve more, not by doing more, but by being more. 
And this is one of those core things that can help you truly achieve more. Try it. Try it, my dear friends. Try and get seven to nine hours of sleep. And that one extra hour or two extra hours that you're putting into sleep, notice how that helps you achieve more in the eight to 12 hours that you actually work. Your productivity, your quality of thinking, just notice how it affects you. And you will become believers too. So I invite you, start by one small change at a time. Be your own researcher, be your own creator of how I can hack your own body. Are all Everybody's bodies are different. Find your routine. And I wish you have a wonderful, I wish your quality of sleep goes up and you also wake up refreshed every morning like I started doing once I started integrating these into my life. Love it. Thank you very much, Ashish. Hey, big hugs and lots of love. Thanks, Happiness Squad folks. Take care and sleep well till we connect next. I hope you enjoyed the episode today on the Happiness Squad podcast. Make sure to hit subscribe on your chosen platform that you listen to us on. If this episode made you think of someone, take a screenshot and share this podcast episode with them. Go to www.happinesssquad.com where you can catch the show notes for this episode and learn more about us and the community we are building. The community is where we gather weekly to practice and connect with other learners, teachers, and practitioners working together to unlock our best selves. Lastly, follow along on Instagram at MyHappinessSquad for tons of behind the scenes as well as short videos designed just for you. It's where we hang out in between episodes. Once again, www.happinessquad.com. All links can be found in the description below. Until next time.